From 8th Street to 8 Mile Road, from I-5 to Highway 99, Podcast Stockton. The show all about the great life in Stockton, California. This is Podcast Stockton. Welcome to Podcast Stockton, episode 87 for April 8th, 2014. I'm Susan Spraker. And I'm Matt Beckwith. Welcome back to all of our returning listeners. If this is your first time listening to Podcast Stockton, thanks for checking out the show. Coming up in this episode, we continue our conversation with Bill and Wendy Maxwell. Yeah, so if you haven't heard yesterday's episode where we actually focused more on Wendy, uh, go back one episode to, to that wonderful episode. And today we're going to spend a little bit more time focusing on Bill Maxwell. I have eyes for you to give you dirty looks. I have words that do not come from children's books. There's a trick with a knife I'm learning to do. And everything I got belongs to you. I have a mouthful anesthesia in my fist. And the perfect wrist to give your neck a twist. There are hammerlock holes, I've mastered a few. And everything I got belongs to you. So anyway, that's how I got to Stockton, and I just never left. I liked it here, so I stayed. And randomly, Lucky when you us. got up here, then you ran into just your, your first day in your first day in the city with a suitcase in one hand, and you, you yeah. bump into Bill. Yeah, do you want to tell us that story? <laughs> want to tell us the story of how you guys met? How did we meet? Yeah. Well, I I, um, I guess this is this is where we segue into my part of the <laughs> the discussion here. Um, well, it, uh, Wendy had already graduated from college and and whatnot, and uh, and I had moved to Stockton after college and was working at the Harvard Bookstore down on uh, Market Street in Stockton, and uh, there was a woman named Rhonda Triplett who was working at the uh, B. Dalton store out in the mall. And we became friends because of our association with the book business. She and new books, me and used books. And um, Rhonda and I used to go out bar hopping. And one night we were out and we were headed into Mr. D's Pizza Parlor over there on, uh, what is it, on Oak Street. And, um, and coming out as we were going in was this good-looking redhead and her, and her boyfriend. Ooh. And ah. and we just kind of passed, you know, Rhonda knew Wendy and her boyfriend, Steve, and uh, we just kind of passed in the doorway and and because they were going out and we were coming in. And and uh, so when, you know, we got in and I said to Rhonda, I said, you know, how come I can't meet a good looking redhead like that? <laughs> and uh, uh also, I had been, I had just been dumped by a little college co-ed uh, who I'd been dating for a couple of years uh, prior to that point. And um, so I was a little, I was a little tender. Um, but at Rhonda, it says, well, well, that, you know, that's my roommate. I'll introduce you. So Rhonda um, arranged for the three of us to have a, a little date together. 
And of course, Rhonda, being the tactful person that she was, she came down with a sore throat the oh, nice. night of the, the ah, night of the date. So Wendy and I went out on our first date, um, and uh, I, I believe we went to Golfland. We went to Golfland and we played miniature golf. We went to Golfland, golf. miniature golf, and then we went golf over and, Hammer and, and then we went over yeah. to the um, what was the name of that place? We went. I don't know. We went over to that. There used to be a, a club bar in, in Lincoln Center next to the theater there. Yeah, and it um, had this um, it had this uh, fireplace surrounded by lava rocks, and oh, we I were sitting. That. Yeah. The villa, was the, it villa? The, the villa, the villa. That was what and it was. and yeah, we, we were sitting on this we were I sitting on the sofa it. in front of this lava rock fireplace with this fake fire going, <laughs> and it was some time of year that it was appropriate to go you know miniature golfing, so it was not winter. Um, and, you know, Maxwell leaves for a while. He goes over, he gets his drinks, he comes back. Uh, the stereo comes on, and it's Johnny Mathis singing Misty. And Maxwell sits down next to me and starts singing Misty out loud, Aww. looking at me. Nice. And he sang, he sang the whole damn song. And at the end of the song, the people in the bar clapped and bought us around our drinks. <laughs> a great story. That's a great story. And 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 the uh, rest. And the and and the rest. Well, actually, that night, that night, um, uh, I played hard to get, uh, which 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 Bill, which ticked I, her off. I think the singing the song maybe not so hard to get. <laughs> well, yeah, but you know, <laughs> but they, but uh, at any rate, but but also the thing was that that she had a boyfriend. He did not point. kiss me good night. I did not kiss her good night. Oh. Okay. And uh, and but she but you Gentleman. know plus she had, she had a boyfriend. Oh, he wasn't serious. Well, yeah. But uh, but at any rate, um, uh, and also Wendy, as the Wendy tells the story later, I was really not really serious, you know, threat because I was too short for her. <laughs> so um, uh, at any rate, um, I you know at some point she decided to jettison the to jettison Steve and and uh, hook up with me. Wow! Never looked back. <laughs> that's awesome yeah. that's a great story that is awesome bill you are a fourth generation stocktonian is that right indeed yeah born in dameron hospital as was my son as was my father born in dameron hospital so what was the what, what was what was stockton like you know well, i didn't grow up here i i, I was born here you were born here. born here and then uh, we moved to the bay area when i was very small and knocked around different places in San Francisco and Marin County, and uh, spent and then moved to Ohio for a year. The, what what happened was that when I was very young, uh, in in the early fifties, my father and his father had a falling out over the family business. My grandfather had Maxwell Motor Supply here in town, and uh, actually, and there was a small chain of auto parts store. Hmm. stores one in Lodi and Jackson and Rio Vista at any rate my father and his father had a falling out my father took the family and moved to the Bay Area and uh, they didn't speak for better part of 20 years probably and uh, um, we eventually we lived in Ohio for a year because my father was you know he had there was four kids and a wife and he was supporting us all and so he had to go where there was work so he went to Ohio and um we lived in Ohio for a year, uh, and uh, through one winter, we, we drove back pulling a trailer 
Can you imagine that? Four mm. kids yeah. in a tray yeah. in a pulling in a you know an unconditioned old Buick <laughs> pulling a trailer across the south in the summer. Ugh. At Get any a rate, um, getting a mental yeah. picture. Um, uh, so we went through one winter in Ohio, and in uh, um, the fall, at the first snowfall of the second winter, my mother, who wore a sweater all summer when she was living in California, oh. said to my father, "The children and I are going back to California." You can stay here if you like, <laughs> but the children and I are going back to California. Oh, we'd love it if you join us, or so or she not. packed. So yeah. we, so we, we were living in Columbus, Ohio. We moved. We went up to uh, Chicago and caught the California Zephyr, and came back uh, to California on the California Zephyr in wintertime, which was you know f- fabulous through the you know through the Sierra Nevada and the Rockies and whatnot. Um, and then my father, who when we left Ohio was working for a soda pop manufacturer when he arrived about three months later arrived in california now he was selling forklifts Hmm. and uh uh, because it's you know we're merchant class through and through you know i've had my own business my father had his own business my grandfather had his own business my great-grandfather had his own business so um after I saw I grew up in Lodi, we wound up in Lodi because that's where my parent, my mother's parents lived in Lodi. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, so I misspent my youth in Lodi and managed <laughs> to somehow or another get through um, high school without doing serious damage to, you know, my body parts and Life organs and, and whatnot. <laughs> um, and then uh, eventually wound up at uh uh, after two years at Menlo College down on the peninsula, mm-hmm. I transferred to UC Santa Cruz. And after I graduated from Santa Cruz, it was 1975. And many of us thought the world was that the house of cards that was the world economy and the world environment was on the brink of collapse. So I moved to Stockton. Uh, I didn't want to move to Lodi because I was just too too close to the rents. And... <laughs> and uh, so I moved to Stockton because I knew I could get a job here. Mm. And plus, uh, my last semester at college, I have discovered one of my roommates, my two years at Santa Cruz, we used to haunt the secondhand bookstores oh. in the Santa Cruz and in, in the Santa Cruz area. And so on my, my senior year, I discovered the Harvard bookstore. Uh, I was home for Christmas vacation, and I discovered the Harvard bookstore uh, uh, on Main Street in downtown Stockton. Mm. And... Uh, uh, I wanted to hit the guy up for a job, and I knew that if if he wouldn't hire me, there was all kind. I I had enough contacts in the community through my family connections that mm-hmm. I could always get a job, you know, doing something. Because uh, when I was, you know, coming home for you know summer vacations, I did everything from, you know, made lug boxes to drove a truck for a cherry shed to you know did all did a variety of different things. So, so I I um, two weeks out of college. I'd settled over on 100 Street in an apartment with a buddy of mine from Santa Cruz mm-hmm. who, was, who was also from Stockton. I walked into the Harvard bookstore on a Tuesday morning and uh, reintroduced myself to Walt Rice. I'd, wrote, I'd written him a letter. I'd been in in December, and I'd written him a letter in the spring and said, you know, I'm interested in working for you, you know. And, and so I walked in Tuesday morning at 10 or 11 o'clock when he opened and uh, said, you know, presented myself. And he said, well, you know, I can only pay a minimum wage, but yeah, sure, you know, we'll give you a try. So he put me to work at uh, $1.95 an hour, 
And uh, at four o'clock that afternoon, he handed me the keys to the front door and said, well, I live in Sacramento. I'm going back to Sacramento. I'll be back on Friday to pick up the week's receipts. Hmm. Here you go. Wow. Wow. And I've been doing it ever since. Wow. And back then, this was at 715 East Main Street. Oh, boy. And in 1975, that was, <laughs> that was the heart of Skid Row. And, oh. and it was, but it was, man, it was, the, it was a, quite a panorama. You'd, I'd look out those windows, and across the street at the Golden Gate Bar and Grill, I had the 211 Club next door. Oh. <laughs> and, you know, and the Golden Gate Bar and Grill across the street. And there was hookers. There was the Earl Hotel upstairs was full of pensioners and, and people that had been kicked out of the state hospital by Ronald Reagan. And, you know, and I mean, Colorful. it was. But, yeah, but there was commerce. I mean, there was every yeah, storefront right. on that block had a business in it. There was a restaurant, a laundry, a bike shop, a piano tuner. You know, I mean, it was it, there was people on the street. And that same block now after, you know, redevelopment is completely boarded up and if they had the money to tear it down they'd tear it down that, that's gotta hurt for you when you, I mean when you're there and it's all that you just described well yeah it, it you know but it's it, it was you know things change and yeah. and the downtown has changed radically I would have liked to have seen the downtown back in its salad days you know back in the 30s and 40s yeah. when you know when before they tore down the courthouse and before they started trying to make everything look like, you know, it was, you know, just made yesterday. <laughs> so you're well known for Maxwell's bookmark. Tell us about how that um, started for you. Well, I, like I said, I started at the Harvard Bookstore in 1975. Mm-hmm. And um, shortly after I started working there, uh, uh, a local mortician wandered in and, um, and he really wanted the bookstore. He, he was... He, 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 he was working for his father-in-law at a mortuary here in town, and he wanted something he could call his own. He wanted a domain that he could go to. And so he made Walt, and, and I was, you know, I was green behind the ears, or wet behind the ears, I guess. Uh, green and wet behind the ears. <laughs> as long as your gills aren't green, I think you're all right. And, you know, and I, you know, I didn't know anything uh, about anything. So uh, uh, this guy made Walt... Rice, who owned the Harvard Bookstore and had founded the Harvard Bookstore in 1922, had been one of the original founders of the bookstore in 1922, wow. um, made him an offer and he bought the store. And he kind of got me with the deal. Um, and uh, uh, we wound up moving it over from 715 East, Mar- East Main over to 338 East Market into the ground floor of the Masonic Temple building. And I really... I'm I'm motivated. If I've got a stake in something, I will work like a dog. Mm. And I kept saying to this guy, I want a piece of this. I want to own some of this. And meanwhile, I was working at his mortuary. I I I <laughs> I, I, I you know out of college, I had, a, I had a ponytail and a scraggly beard. And this guy offered me a job working in a mortuary. And I said, absolutely. You know, satisfy my morbid sense of curiosity. So I cut <laughs> my hair, shaved my beard, bought a suit. First time I'd ever bought a suit. And and was working part time at this mortuary. I was also working part time at my during the winters at my dad's print shop up in Lodi. And at any rate, so we moved the bookstore, the Harvard bookstore, onto Market Street. And then I had a falling out with the owner. And basically, he drew a line in the sand 
you know, I said, I want a 50-50 partnership. And he said, no, 51-49. I said, no, I want I want an equal partnership. And he said, not, not, never going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I took the key to the front door off and I put it on the counter and I walked out. Wow. And then I opened my, I went and I worked at the bookmark for a few months uh, up on Pacific Avenue because it existed. It had been around since, since the late 30s on Pacific mm-hmm. Avenue. So I got a job working part-time at the bookmark with Antonio. Remember Antonio? Oh, I remember Anto- handsome Antonio. Antonio. He was a ULP. He was a Spaniard. He was a Spaniard ULP student. And just, we used, did, the little old women used to come in to buy their books from Antonio. Oh, Good for business. And, and, and so, you know, so Harry Shelby owned the, owned the bookmark at the time. And Harry couldn't afford to pay both me and Antonio. So I, oh. I was low man on the totem pole. So I, I worked there for a few months and then left. With, but, but all the time having the desire to own my own bookstore. So I, with the help of my father, I opened a little bookstore on Yosemite Street where the Blackwater Cafe mm-hmm. now used to be and is now yeah, the bus stop, I guess. Um, it had been Chattanooga Pizza before I moved, before I oh, opened wow. up my little bookstore in oh, there. Oh, we had to clean so much grease out of that place before it was habitable. Yeah, wow. I, I, I set off a couple of, you know, bug bombs in there, and the cockroaches <laughs> were like just oh my God. thick on the carpet afterwards. But so I, so I... I had I started my little bookstore over there on Yosemite Street, and this is 1978, and um, and then uh, one day Harry Shelby from the Bookmark, because I while I was working for Harry, I was going, yeah, you want to sell this place? And so while I was working for Harry, so one day Harry calls me and says, I want to sell the bookstore, <laughs> and and I said, okay, well, how much you want for it? And he named a price, and I just said, Harry, you're you're crazy. That bookstore isn't worth anything near that. And so he immediately dropped the price by two thirds, <laughs> and I said, "Okay, now now we're getting close. Now we're getting we're in the close. Now we're getting close." So with with my with a loan from my from my dad, and uh, you know I bought Harry's store on time on on you know over time, um, gave him a little bit down, and then paid the rest off over ten years, and combined my Yosemite Street bookstore of used books with the bookmark inventory, which was new books. And uh, put Maxwell in front of the. It had been the bookmark since 1939, and I stuck Maxwell in front of it. Maxwell's in front of it in order to distinguish it from all those other bookmark bookstores that there are in the world. And everything I got belongs to you. Share for share, share alike. You get struck each time I strike. You for me, me for you. I'll give you plenty of nothing. I'm not yours for better, but for worse. And I've learned to give the well-known riches first. I've a terrible tongue, a temper for two. And everything I got belongs to you. Bill, tell us about your role as an archivist for the Bank of Stockton. <laughs> that sound you hear is my wife's eyes rolling. <laughs> um, uh, when I closed my bookstore in 2003, I liquidated uh, about you know 85% of the inventory and the best 15% I took home and I continued to sell on the internet uh, out of my house. And I continue to do that. But um, after a few months, this was in April of 2003, after a few months, I realized that 
with the refrigerator and the liquor cabinet just about 20 feet away, there was a distinct possibility that I was going to become a obese alcoholic. <laughs> so I decided I needed something to get out to do to get out of the house. And uh, uh, so I went to UOP to see if they might have some contract work or something in the library. Or, you know. And uh, they didn't. But the archivist at UOP told me about this gig at the Bank of Stockton that the archivist there, and I didn't even know they had an archivist at that time, uh, but that she was about ready, she was leaving to move to Alaska and that her 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 position was going to be open. And uh, um, I guess had I thought about it, I would have realized that that was the position that Leslie Crow had had at the bank prior to this the, this other woman, to Kristen Greaser. Um, anyway, so I went down and, and met Kristen, and she gave me, she was still composing the... Um, job description and so she gave me a draft of the job description and I looked at it and I said well you know I could do this in my sleep all the heavy lifting's already been done this is just mainly maintaining and growing the collection um, and you know I could, that, that'd be easy uh, so I interviewed with Angela Brusa who's head of the marketing department and she's my supervisor and she we interviewed on Monday and uh, they offered me the job on Wednesday we and they gave you the keys at four o'clock. We did. We oh, did. Oh no, that was. We did. We did the little tap dance. Things happen you know, fast for you, they, Bill. They, 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 yeah, well, yeah. My I'm wife can't believe that. my incredible luck. Uh, you know, the uh, the it's thing. It's his first job other than working yeah, for himself. Yeah, I won't, Yeah, I won't, up to this point, I've only. He didn't either, have either, a resume. Worked in agriculture. Right. Yeah, she helped me tart up my resume, uh, but. Uh, 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 so uh, you know, they did the. They they offered me a full time job because the previous archivist had had a full-time job. And I said, you know, this is, A, I don't want a full-time job. I've been self-employed for the past 30 years. And, and I don't do this no isn't, eight to five. This isn't a full-time job. Uh, and B, uh, you're offering me benefits. I don't want your benefits because my wife works for the state of California, and she's got better benefits than you can offer me. So <laughs> let's do fewer hours, more money. And uh, and they said, yeah, because I, you know, because I brought a, a, a unique skill set. Plus, I mean, I knew everybody at that point. I mean, I've been in business. <laughs> right. It, 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 it was the, the funny. I After they hired me, Kristen st wanted to kind of take me around town and introduce me to the different <laughs> to different folks around town. How'd that go? <laughs> you know, and here's Kristen. She had been a UOP student. And then had, after working for the bank had been her first job after graduating. You know, so she'd only been in town for a few years. Oh, my. And so she takes me over to the Hagen Museum to introduce me to the folks at the Hagen Museum. <laughs> it was great. It was great. Todd sees me coming in the door with Kristen, and he says, Oh, my God, don't tell me the bank hired Maxwell. He's quick, <laughs> quick, quick, Kim, call the bank. Get all our money out. Pull the money. <laughs> That's great. You know, and of course, poor Kristen's sitting there, you know, with, you know, egg on her face. But, uh, yeah, but I, and so, I mean, I knew, you know, I knew the, if not the officers of the bank, certainly their <laughs> wives are the one who are the ones that came into the bookstore. The Christmas books. You know, and, and, uh, yeah, so it, 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 uh, it worked out very well. And, and I've been there, I've been there 10 years now. And there's, uh, I started out with 20,000 images and we're now over 30,000 images. Wow. And, uh, and I'm adding new ones. I just bought, I bought some cool stuff on eBay just the other day. I bought some cool stereographs. And there, there's one that shows uh, Saint uh, John's Episcopal Church, the first one, there on Minor and El Dorado. 
and it's looking north on El Dorado, and there's a tree growing in the middle of El Dorado Street. Wow. <laughs> I wish people could see Bill's eyes light up when he talks about these kinds of things, because it really... <laughs> yeah, and, and watch my wife's eyes roll when I tell you. There's a lot of eye action going I on it here. Fun. I okay. find it fun, too. It's just that yeah. it's in the grocery store. It's on people, the street. Well, people stop it's me, over you know. drinks. Oh, yeah, it's over there. dinner. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, it's uh, it's. Uh, I love my job, and you know, and every day it's every day it's something different. And then I still do the books. Um, you know, I I sell books on the internet, and there's a you know another rare book show coming up in Sacramento in, in a couple of weeks, and I you know exhibit at those and sell sell books at those. So. Staying busy. He contaminated our son, though. Our son is a bookseller now, too. A chip off the old block. After he had well, prom- I after promised he had her. Promised I, I made me. a solemn vow that me. our son would not become a bookseller. Yeah, that he would actually I was have... in hopes he'd have a, a, a job that he could make a living at. But he seems to be making a living selling books. So he's getting the best of both worlds. It's yeah. in his DNA, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> well, he came to it kind of circuitously. You know, I mean, he worked in the bookstore for many, many years when he was growing up um but then when he when he graduated from from college we were at a we were at a rare book show and george fox who's uh vice president of uh, pacific book auction galleries in san francisco you know we're at this book show and george says oh what's your son doing we said you know hey he just graduated from college and george says does he need a job and (laughs) you think and and so george hired him hired him at pba and so he worked at Pacific Book Auction Galleries, and then he kind of got fed up with that, and so he jumped over to Clara's Auction House in Oakland. And PBA just does books. Clara's does everything from silverware to cars and fine <laughs> art and everything in between. And he was working, he was working and enjoying himself working at Clara's because he was doing all their art and their books and stuff. And then he got sideways with the boss over there, and they laid him off. But he jumped over to Bonham's, which is the big art auction house mm. in San Francisco. They they sell things like Heming, Ernest Hemingway's man purse and three wow. million dollar wonderful photo of Sam holding Gandhi's sandals. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. And and so he and so he was there for a couple of years, but he 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 hit the ceiling there. He realized that that he he was never going to be able to advance to the in the direction that he wanted to go in the auction business. Um and so he he uh, had a friend working at Walden Pond over in Oakland, um, and you know he walked into Walden Pond very much like me walking into the Harvard bookstore in <laughs> 1975, and they hired him on the spot, you know. And I and I I told Sam I said you know if they hadn't hired you, you didn't want to work there because there is nobody that's going to walk through that door. Right. Looking for a job more qualified than you, and if they are too stupid to to realize that, <laughs> you don't want to work there. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Bill, you called your archivist job a gig, but you also, speaking of gigs, you play the bass guitar. Is that right? Well, I Busted. I play I play at it. Yes, I. Uh, How I've long have you been doing that? Wait, wait, I just want to know if you play the bass, Wendy. I got to ask, does he play it like boom, 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 boom? 
Or does he do that thing he did to that little scat bass? I'm a strictly one, four, five kind of guy. How do you, you know, do it, Bill? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm just, you know, I, I, I pedal, you know. When all else fails, you know, just pedal on to one. There you go. Um, I, you know, I, I, I was trying to remember what year it was. We still had the bookstore. It was the year that Steve Seibel died. It was died. Steve Seibel died. It was the year Steve Seibel died, and it was that was when I, 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 Steve Seibel was a good friend of ours, and he was about my age. might have been a year older. Um, but he died suddenly of respiratory failure, mm. and I whipped out the old bucket list and said, "Okay, I ain't getting any younger. What what is there on this list that I need to that I need to get started on?" Mm -hmm. And I decided that the bass guitar was something I'd always wanted to do, and so I took so it up, and I've been playing. You know, I, I mean, I, I just kind of noodled around with it for a few years and really didn't do anything with it, and then the last few years I've been taking. Uh, Shad Harris's Blues Band 101 class out at Delta College, and uh, um, and I just go back. You know, it's the it's the best deal in town, man. You get you know it's taught, taught by this classic old blues man that's been around forever, and uh, and it's just you know you, you pay your eighty bucks, you get eight weeks of classes, nice. and by the end of your eight weeks, you're playing anywhere from ten to twenty songs. And granted, some of them are train wrecks, but you know we have a we have an end of the semester concert down at Valley Brew usually, and uh, and it's just and it's just a lot of fun, and it forces me, you know, my my bass playing is kind of like my golf game, mm -hmm. in that I'd rather play badly than practice, and <laughs> and and so I but it forces me being in Sad's class, it forces me to practice and it forces me to play and to learn stuff, mm -hmm. um, you know, so I've been. You know, and I've been doing it now. I don't know how many semesters, but it's been a few years now, and it's it's a lot of fun. Wow. Did you guys he's getting jam? good too. He doesn't he doesn't cock no, to we're it, not, but he's getting we're good. not doing the Partridge You're family thing. You're not doing thing. the Partridge no, family no. at your house. No, no what I keep saying player, is her bass players are real bass players. Can <laughs> we just pull down the the bass from the wall right there and just have a little? Except that I'm left-handed. You play left-handed bass. I play a left-handed bass. All right, Paul. What of Wendy's Paul previous? Yeah. One of per Wendy's right. previous bass players was Kaya Cornelius. She played electric bass left-handed, acoustic bass right-handed. Really? Oh, Figure oh, that wow. one out. Wow. Yeah, she was a hoot when she came to kind of interview about playing with me. I was asked. I said, "Okay, look, you know, everything that I do is transposed because it's it's not in guy keys; it's in singer keys." Right. And she says, that's okay. I've been working on transposition. I can transpose everything in my head to any key except D flat. <laughs> and I'm going, dang, girl. <laughs> How many songs are there in D flat? I sing I one. <laughs> Actually, I sing one, but the chart's in D flat. <laughs> I know of none. Yeah. Well, it's, it's not a rock and roll key. <laughs> Wendy, we only recently met, even though I kind of stalked you on the internet and your music and all of that and watched you from afar. And of course, a stock. As do many. Right, right. And stalked Bill for many years. But only recently had the honor of actually meeting you. And I remember um, having a conversation with you about, and I, I don't want to call it a renaissance, but this there's stuff going on in Stockton. And there's this, it seems to be this time where lots of people are doing lots of interesting, cool new things, and uh, I was hoping we could, you could share with us some of the some of the thoughts that you had when uh, when we talked about that. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm blown away. I keep now that I'm not working, I have the opportunity to just wander around and meet people. So I know a lot of folks in their twenties and thirties and forties that 
I would not have met if I was still working. Uh, and I'm amazed at how many things they're doing. You guys are doing your podcasts. Uh, Rocky Rhodes is doing his, you know, Valley Stage online newsletter. Uh, there's all of these folks downtown at Cafe Coop that are doing all kinds of interesting uh, nonprofit work, uh, coming up with their graffiti removal app so you can track where graffiti is. Uh, there's people that run for city council. Uh, you know, Michael Tubbs has just been asked to be uh, part of the discussants for uh, Bill Clinton's global initiative. Um, you know, there's just, there's all of these things happening, and it amazes me because, you know, I'm old enough to be cynical about the world, <laughs> and I don't really see that things are, you know, necessarily going to be all peachy and glowy and rosy and wonderful, and I am so impressed and so amazed by everybody who's doing all of these wonderful things, and so my comment on that is you guys own the world now you know you guys own this community you own this nation it's yours it's your time you know whatever you choose to do with it is the best thing to do because it's yours and so I always want to be supportive of those things I don't want to ever be one of the people that says oh I think you ought to do it this other way hmm. Because the truth is that it's yours, and however you choose to do it, however you choose to try to improve it, is the best way to go. So, you know, thank you and good luck. Yeah, and and, and having encountered um, the folks that our son hangs with in the Bay Area, you know, and and the fact that these guys are really in the thick of of the radical political movements in the in the Bay Area. And they are all incredible optimists. I mean, by their judging by their actions and and what they say when you talk to them, they are all very optimistic about the future. They you know they believe that they can change the world and that they can make a difference. They don't necessarily expect that you know that it's going to be global, but they, they 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 it's the old you know pebble in the pond thing. You know that mm -hmm. you concentrate. You know, it's the the thing that we did back in the 60s, you know, think global, act local. And you concentrate on your community. And they've established these incredible little communities over, uh, you know, little, you know, enclaves of, of uh, folks who really support each other in a broad spectrum of ways and, and who also do good work in the in the community. Um, you know, feeding, you know, there's a bunch, you know, the, all those anarchists over there, you know, they, they have a, uh, you know, a public uh, uh, food giveaway once a, once a week, you know, that they gather food from different sources and then give it away. You know, and these are all a bunch of guys that, you know, that your parents warned you against. And, uh, you know, and they're, and they're, and they're feeding, you know, they're feeding people. And, Doing the and, good work. Yeah. And, you know, there's a whole lot of people that are saying that uh, the younger generation uh, is all self-centered and entitled. And there may be people who are like that. That may be who all of those tech people in the Silicon Valley are. I don't know because I don't know them. But certainly the folks that I know in the, quote, younger generation are doing a fabulous job. Yeah, I would certainly I would certainly agree that. In Stockton, I wouldn't say that that generation is a slacker generation. No, it's it's exciting. It's an exciting time now in this town, I think. Um, and, and there is room for optimism, and it feels good. 
Well, I think, you know, you, you have, have to be, I mean, you know, having a child is the ultimate act of optimism. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not especially happy about the world that I will be leaving, you know, to the next generation. But, um, you know, there it is. It wasn't all my, my generation's doing, despite the fact that we get blamed for right. most but everything. But we levitated the Pentagon. We, we tried to. We didn't actually <laughs> succeed. We tried to levitate the Pentagon. We didn't, were unsuccessful in that endeavor. We did, however, stop the war in Vietnam. There you go. And, uh, well, Bill and Wendy Maxwell, thank you so much for coming on to Podcast Talking. We appreciate you spending some time with us and telling your, uh, your story. Um, for more information on Wendy and the Wendy Maxwell and Trey Hot Jazz Band, go to wendymaxwell.com and for information related to Maxwell's Bookmark, where you can still buy books online, go to maxwellsbookmark.com. And by appointment as well. You can, you can even come to the house. Oh, wow. And by appointment. Nice. Nice. <laughs> so, Bill and Wendy, thanks again for coming on the show. Thanks Thank for Thank you. It's been great. Thanks for listening to Podcast Stockton. We'd love to hear your feedback. Call or text us on our listener line at 565 3229 Email us at podcaststockton at gmail.com or find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, username Podcast Stockton. Yeah, and thanks again to Wendy and Bill Maxwell for coming onto the show. It was a great conversation to have with both of them. And um, for more information about Wendy, go to wendymaxwell.com and newschoolaikido.com. Of course, we'll put links in the show notes uh, to where you can find all that stuff at podcaststockton.com. We'll also have links where you can buy the new Wendy Maxwell Trey Hot Jazz CD. And for more information about Maxwell's Bookmark, go to maxwellsbookmark.com. I'll converse with you on politics at length. I'll protect you with my superhuman strength. If you're ever attacked, I'll scream and shout boo. And everything I've got belongs to you. The music you heard on today's show was Everything I've Got by Wendy Maxwell and Trey Hot Jazz from the new album Help a Good Girl Go Bad, available now on CD Baby and iTunes. That's why I stay true, and everything I got belongs to you. From the rest of the podcast Stockton crew, Greg, Manny, Rod, and Matt, until next time, make it great, Stockton. I'm not yours for better but for worse And I've learned to give the well-known witches curse I've a terrible tongue, a temper for two And everything I've got, oh it's not a lie But everything I got belongs to you